0: Welcome to Ordinary People, the podcast that provides a platform and voice to ordinary people by bringing together a diverse panel to discuss and educate on the issues of today and tomorrow in a free exchange of culture, thoughts and ideas. Welcome to Ordinary People, the podcast that invites members of the community to share their thoughts, observations on the issues of today and tomorrow. My name is Peter Jones and I'm your host. I was born and raised and I've lived most of my life in around Birmingham. For the last 30 years I've worked in the IT education sector. I volunteer for Birmingham based charities and good causes Uh, so therefore I'd like to shout out to Love Brougham, Let's Feed Brougham and Birmingham Civic Society for the good work that they do. I have a panel of guests tonight that will help me with tonight's topic, which is Black Lives Matter, Positives and Negatives. So let's get started and get the panel to introduce themselves. Earl, do you want to kick us off?
1: Hi, I'm Earl. I live in Worcester. I've worked in the learning and development space for the last 25 years, more recently. I work within apprenticeships. I have a real passion for... Helping people to achieve their ambitions and goals through this uh, capacity of learning. Thank you, Earl. Eve.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Eve Alexander, I'm born and bred in Birmingham. For 20 odd years, I've worked as a sales professional, and the last seven years, similar to Earl, in learning and development. And I'm very much looking forward to participating this evening.
3: Great. That's excellent. Thank you, Eve. And Max. Good evening everybody, I'm Maxwell Cookhorn. Um, I'm a, I've been a, a salesperson in the past and for the last 15 years I've been a supply teacher uh, working largely in maths but also in other subjects, specialising with kids with behavioural learning difficulties uh, and I live in Hansworth in Birmingham. Super, excellent.
0: Great, great to have you uh, all on board. Okay, so tonight's uh, topic is Black Lives Matter, Positives and Negatives. What I'd like to start off with is just uh, just a quick sort of introduction to the to the topic from you all, just very quickly. Max, do you want do you want to kick us off on that?
3: I think the way that I'm thinking with regards to the Black Lives Matter movement, not that I'm uh, in any way involved with the actual activism behind it, but my observations and my understanding are with relation to the fact that the goals are in line with the aspirations of most right pe- right-thinking right people um, and that we're basically working towards an end to the punitive penalties for minor infractions of crimes, especially with re- relationship to non-violent crimes but maybe some sort of an equalisation between what are considered street, urban, black crimes, i.e. Drug, um, drug-involved crimes Mm -hmm. of selling and stuff like that and comparing them in some shape way or form with crimes that are done with um, the financial community let's look at things like um, embezzlement and corruption and misappropriation and stuff like that nonviolent crimes which seem to result in far less punitive punishments okay
0: understood okay Uh, Eve, any sort of, um, what what are your thoughts on tonight's topic? Anything you'd like to say?
2: Um, From a positive um, perspective, I think what it's brought this conversation out into the open, rather than it would be very much in the black community, um, very much amongst your colleagues and your friends. It's put it in the In the center, really, I think that's what's been interesting, and um, people outside of the black community are now aware of it, whether they understand it or not it 's a different matter, but they're aware of it. The negatives though um, by, by positioning it sort of more within society, is it just a slogan is it just a hashtag and i'm speaking from personally and corporates as well corporations like this is the Mm -hmm. new thing um we have to be seen to be um you know supporting black lives matter but do they actually support black lives matter it's all right to have a hashtag and black your social media for a day Mm -hmm. but what are you doing to impact the, the community around you, and that could be within work or outside of work. So that, those are the negatives to me. Yeah,
0: so a very, 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 very good point. Can we see a lot of corporations uh, making large statements, let's say, uh, via the media on what they're going to do in terms of um, providing funds to the black community? I'm yet to get any evidence as to what they've actually contributed, who they've given it to, who's managing it. So that's something that we can pick up on a little later in the, in the, in the conversation. Thank you, Eve. Earl, what are the, the sort of key uh, You know,
1: I, I, I do agree with uh, Eve in particular in line up that it's really sort of highlighted some key issues. That, these are not issues that uh, have just arisen as a result of obviously Sir George Floyd. They've been around for generations. I think what's different now is that more people black people in particular are feeling confident and comfortable to have those uncomfortable conversations with other colleagues they're calling out uh, when it's not uh, appropriate Mm -hmm. rather than just accepting it to I guess um, unbalance that sort of status quo because it's a really difficult decision to push back sometimes because you have to think about the wider implications whether that's uh, in the workplace, whether it's, it's not so, so much in your friendship groups, but certainly yeah. in a corporate environment, you have to. N- nobody wants to play that race card, and I think the common misconception sometimes is that if you highlight something and call it out, that it can be effectively some classes, While they're well, are using the sort of race card, yeah, that 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 shouldn't sort of exist. I suppose one of the sort of negatives I see, and again. It is very much, we have talked about previously how the media, the mainstream media picked up lots of news stories when I guess there were lots of rioting all around sort of the world, lots of people were protesting. Mm-hmm. It picked up on some key themes there. As late, I've not seen the level of exposure and coverage which tells me or informs me that there has been that sort of desired short-term effect which is you know what's next let's start to see some of those um i suppose call outs into tangible actions that both corporate and organizations really start to embed in everyday practice yeah
0: yeah okay lovely great earl you've hit on something here in terms of the the black lives matter movement if you will is emboldened black people, more black people, to stand mm. up and call out, you know, injustices, discrimination, things that just don't sit right for them more now than they probably would have done. The perfect example, I think in the last few days, we've had, this is his name Sideman, the DJ, BBC One, yes. uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: high profile, you know, the nation listens to him every week, and he's taken upon himself to make a stand, yeah, that, no, this doesn't sit right to me. And and his reasoning behind it was great. He said that, you know, um, the BBC have tried their best, they have made a mistake, you know, um, I'm doing this for me. It doesn't sit right with me. He's not blaming the BBC. He's not saying that all black people should walk out. He's <laughs> saying that this doesn't sit right for me. So yeah. therefore, in all... Uh, honestly, I can't be part of this organisation if you are going to sanction the the use of that word in that instance and broadcast it out to a, a national audience. And I, I I applaud him for that. I applaud mm-hmm. him for his stance. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I was about to say that. Look, I, I think that's a really um, noble and right thing for this uh, for for side-man to be able to have the and it is a luxury isn't it because ordinary people sometimes they can they can be vocal and they can take a stance but I think walking out you know I I wouldn't be able to walk out of my job mm. on some principle but I absolutely understand that you know some people have to stand up and be counted but it's a really difficult call I get the sort of premise and I absolutely agree with, uh, you know, he was right to, uh, you know, take the CBC's sort of task over and to highlight, um, yes, it resulted in an apology, but you have to think of the wider piece here. How was that allowed to happen in the first place? Yeah. It's as simple as that. I, I agree. Sorry, Evie was saying.
2: As you said, ordinary people can't do that because we've got to think of how we're going to pay our bills dj sideman he's got many associates within the media he will be working again he's most likely i'm sure the bbc you know i i don't know him but i'm sure the bbc wasn't his only um stream of earning revenue for the ordinary man and woman on the street you and i we can't and, you know, that's why I think it's led to the movement that it is now. It's global because for generations we have been biting our tongue. And if you continue to bite your tongue, it's going to bleed. And I, that's what we're having now. Mm. It's great that you've called it out, but, you know, we've all experienced where we've seen things and heard things, where we didn't sit right with us, but we bit our tongues because you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to be labeled for me, I'm going to be labeled as the angry black woman, mm. yeah. And as you guys, you going to be labeled as aggressive and a troublemaker, right. and that could end your careers,
3: yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 which I, I think is the end result of what would have happened with Sideman himself as well, had he not resigned. My question is, why was his resignation accepted? Why would an organisation see what had happened and let him just walk away that easily? They should have gone out of their way to keep him on because he's one of the very few people to have any kind of uh, moral standing on anything as a result of that kind of behaviour. But But just to come back as well to the biting tongue thing as well, I had a conversation very recently uh, with someone that was saying something along the lines of how they feel like they can't say anything about anything nowadays. And my response to that is basically, well, I sympathize with you, but ultimately what was going on before was offensive. It was always offensive. Now we're actually telling you that it's offensive. So when you thought everything was fine, it wasn't fine, but it was fine for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the whole thing about the biting tongue thing. Yeah. It's not about, um, for me, it's not about the card, um, the race card, bringing out the yeah. race card, because it's actually, it, it, or in, actually, let me put it a different way. We should be bringing out the race card, rather than someone trying to shame us for bringing out the race card. Yeah. We should be yeah. bringing it out, and like the referees used to, hold chess up high, and that, yeah. that card's nice and high, and you're yeah. getting off the pitch. Yeah. Because as far as I'm concerned, we're bringing up valid points that always were there. And now yeah i mean yeah the, the the playing
0: the race card um piece is is an interesting one I, I think that um i could put it uh what white people have been given these stock phrases or sentences to throw black back mm. at black people when they maybe don't like something or they don't like the tone or uh, they don't like the message that we're trying to give them. and It's either mm. you know, uh, playing the race card or, you know, you've just got a chip on your shoulder or get over it is another one. <laughs> sort of thing like, you Expand, know. It's
1: banter. It's banter. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Too sensitive.
1: Yeah.
0: But, you know, I, I look back at how sensitive um, they've been getting, white people, not all, but some white people have been getting about our protests, pulling down statues that we find offensive. Oh yeah. I've been getting a little bit sort of uppity and playing the race card in saying things like, It's our history. Well, it's actually our history too. <laughs>
3: that's that's a the very, that's, and that's why we're pulling it down.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, we've got every right to pull it down. Mm. You know, if they want to debate and talk about it, they're more than welcome. You know, but listen, we're pulling it down because that's our
1: history and we don't like it. Mm.
2: Exactly yeah
1: but it's deep seated in unfortunately it's systemic in sort of uh, and i 'm talking broadly about corporate environments um, it's, it's, it's still systemic, and I think that's the issue until you make an effective change over what is acceptable and you take people to task over it if you are a, a human resources department. That's where I start to see uh, real change happening where people are you know sat down and to go through a process to really sort of clarify that you cannot use that type of language which is offensive which you might class as banter, but actually it isn't I, I just think we have to make those uh, changes that's that's one of the many things I'm looking for organizations to start to react very very differently for me it's about the it's the doing it's not about the sort of what they are saying they're going to do it's about what they are going to do and the evidence it. yeah.
2: And and that's the point there. Sorry, Pete, I was going to say about HR as well. It's difficult for black employees to approach HR because they're not seeing a representation of themselves. HR is there to support the corporate organisation rather than the employee yeah and and that's another reason why these you know incidences banter whatever it is these offenses go unreported because it's even if it is dealt with you know somewhere or another it's going to come back and bite you on the backside as a black person so you're just rather like you know what you're going to peak your battles and say like, i should let this one go
0: Do you think anything has changed over the last few months in that respect? Do you think health departments are becoming more aware, are more sensitive to it now, or do you think deep down those old attitudes still exist?
2: I think they may be more sensitive to it now, but is it going to be long-term? Like what we mentioned already, um, that Black Lives Matter what happened in America, Breonna Taylor, all the rest of it, is no longer trending. It's not trending anymore. So if it's not trending, it's not really in the majority. And we live in a country where white people are the majority. It's not at the forefront of their minds anymore. So therefore, that's going to trickle in corporations, not unless we as black people continue to put not the pressure, but continue to have these conversations, these difficult conversations with them. So it is actually implemented. It's okay, they're saying that they're going to support. We actually want to see evidence there. It's enough is enough. Okay. That we can feel comfortable and say, we'll call these you know, racial incidents out.
0: Yeah. So are we saying then that we should do more calling out? Um, that Or... or...
3: Have we done enough i i view the whole project as a -a whack-a-mole basically because when you talk about defund the police tell you that what you mean is what you want to get rid of the police you don't want them to have any money you want society to fall apart you want people to be killing each other when you talk about kneeling for the national anthem they start telling you about how you're disrespecting the, the flag or disrespecting the sacrifice of the soldiers There's no understanding of the reality of the statement, simple statements very often, that you're making. And even when you explain, there's a misunderstanding after a misunderstanding after a misunderstanding. In the same way with a -a whack-a-mole, basically you put one down and another one pops up and you've got to keep whacking, whacking, whacking. I I think we're
1: actually fighting the legacy for the next generation. I really do. Um, I'd like to think that... That short-term focus and um, Black Lives Matter movement has really highlighted and reiterated the the current issues. Most progressive people, businesses, will get it and they'll understand it. And if they're ordinary people just like us, they will adapt to that change. I think there will always be a, um, a segment of society that will not want to sort of change and they won't want to change because their view might be that we are uh, a lower class citizen and we are, we don't really deserve the same equality of opportunity, rights and uh, justice.
0: They just like the way things are now and they don't want it to
3: change. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't Look know. I
3: I guess. You know. Look at the trade union movement, how long they've been going and the results that they've got. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're up against. Yeah,
0: okay. So, I mean, tra- tra- yeah, trade union is, a, is, a, is an interesting analogy. Um, we have to get organized, yes? Do mm. you agree with that? Do, yeah. you, do you think in terms of the, you know, we're talking about Black love, Matter policies and negatives. Do you think this has um, consolidated us as black people? Do you think it's brought us closer together Closer? Yes. All right. Close
1: okay. enough? We need to get closer. Okay. Yeah, not enough. All right. Is it temporary and/or is it mm. sustained? So for me, I've, again, I've learned more about black history in the last sort of two, three months, and I've really understood all my life, and it has brought me much closer to people. I've had those conversations that you kind of pose to yourself in the back of your mind and you have conversations with yourself. But actually, I've been having them openly with lots of other people, black, white, and obviously sort of people of colour. So I think, yeah, I would hope that, although it's temporary, that that continues.
3: I think it's an interesting thought as well to look at the similarity between poor black people and poor white people has been much closer very often, even though we're talking about Black Lives Matter and a Black Lives movement, but there is interaction between uh, different co- communities of different race. But the similarities between poor and black and white people is far closer than the disparate, uh, the similarity, let's say, between a poor white person and a rich white person. Yeah. And I think we have to try and remember that, that there are certain things that hold us together. And some of the bad decisions that are made around poverty, in, criminality, and blah, blah, blah. We have to be a lot more understanding of the bad decisions that some have made in our own communities. Yeah. Because it's only by being more understanding of our own community that we can empathise and then show a un, united front. Because I think, personally, this is a battle against those with influence and power and that 's money mm-hmm. in this civilization it 's all about money
0: thanks everyone for, for, for that. I want to move on and talk a little bit about um, Facebook and Twitter now personally, um, one of the things that 's sort of driving me in in this sort of format this conversation is the the misinformation and the rhetoric and the toxicity that i 've witnessed over the last six months now. I think that's always been there. But has Black Lives Matter made that worse?
2: Yes, I think. I think it's given
3: them... Don't
2: you think racism has made it worse? Yeah. Yeah. But also as well, because of Facebook and Twitter and other social media platforms, given those racist... A voice, literally a platform hmm. to air their opinions.
0: Yeah,
2: I guess. So yeah, a, a and, and if you, yeah, it's yeah, it's a springboard. And yeah. you know, if, if you're discussing about Black Lives Matter on your page, that how people come out of the woodwork that <laughs> you even forget that you're connected with. Some of a sudden have you know um, opinion about Black Lives Matter. And they say, well, "Well, why are you bringing this up? Because all lies matter. So you just, well, well, okay, explain what you mean. And they can't explain. They can't articulate what they actually mean. Or if they do, it soon highlighted that the the connotations is based in racism. Okay. Uh,
1: do you know? I've I spoken to a lot of uh, people of all colors and one of the things that's quite consistent where they start looking at sort of facebook twitter they start realizing people's viewpoints and to the mm. point where some of uh, some of my friends have actually said actually I didn't realize that that associate or that contact felt that that way about this particular matter so i've actually defriended them or i've removed them off Mm. my linkedin profile i've heard a lot of that but you're right i think racism has always existed and until obviously something different changes it always will to a certain extent however those social media platforms are as you say sort of either giving people a voice and a place to be able to respond publicly and i think that 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 is dangerous. Yeah.
0: One of the words that I use in, in my introduction of, of this is misinformation. And I think that um, there's a lot of misinformation being um, produced and shared. Uh, and certainly uh, when I have, and it's only a few people that I've challenged because I've, I've not really wanted to get into a discussion with anyone who's posted anything anywhere near either racist or discriminatory, um, I've just sort of left them alone and thought, well, clearly someone who I don't want to engage with. But those that I have, some of them haven't truly understood what it is that they've been retweeting or reposting. Yeah, they thought it represented their thoughts, but when they were shown and explained exactly what that post actually meant and how it made people feel, they did retract somewhat. Mm-hmm. So how do, we, how, how do we address that? How do we address the, the uh, sort of misinformation and, and try and dial down the rhetoric, which is the, you know, a real negative, I think, of the, the Black Lives Matter sort of movement for, for
1: people? I, I think it's about the choice of um, media, choice of platform. You have to, you know, the, the very perks of these sessions are to educate people i think the more people become aware of the impact of either a comment or a sense or a thought process how it impacts and makes me and other black people feel mm. i think they'll start to really think about their viewpoint their approach how mm. they respond and actually just taking that two or three second pause thinking, i'd like to respond to that however from experience and actually speaking with Earl, Pete, Eve, Max, I actually know if I respond that way, it's going to be considered or interpreted in the wrong way. I think so. it, it is just education, yes. yeah. Through,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. I mean that keeps on cropping up, doesn't it? Education for uh, for people. I, yeah. I think I think I'm a patient person and I'm willing to have a discussion and a conversation with people on the phone on the one to one. Over the, um, over the uh, social networking sites, I'm gradually getting to a point where I'm just deplatforming people. I don't appreciate the, their opinions. I'm not really into the whole discussion thing. I think mostly it's malicious and malintended. I'm, I'm not really willing to deal with it. Does, does anyone disagree with the fact that
0: Facebook and Twitter? are not the places to have these types of discussions. Does anyone disagree with that? Or do you think Facebook and Twitter is a good platform, a good place to have discussions about, you know, race relations and
3: uh, and, and Black Lives Matter and White Lives Matter? It tends to be, all of them tend to be good places for communal agreement. But when there's disagreement, that's um, when it's not a good, it's a platform, you see. So if you stood on a platform, and then someone started shouting at you from the back. That's basically what Facebook is It's great while everyone's behaving themselves but yeah. once you've got someone just shouting abuse and disturbing everything, then it falls apart.
1: It's, it's not a great platform
0: to have that sort of discussion because it's mm-hmm. one-dimensional uh, yes. and, and what you need in, in these sort of discussions you know you, you need almost, um, you, you need that feedback you need to see I may see the white of someone's eyes and see their body language, yeah. To have a proper discussion and debate about, you know, the uh, the, the 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 wrongs and rights, yeah. About history, about feelings, you yeah, mm. uh, know, about survival, about privilege. You know, you can't have a you can't have a a, a conversation about privilege over Facebook because mm. your, your your message is going to be construed as. Well, like, you know, it's one of those, you know, get over it moments. You know, slavery was, you know, abolished 200 years ago. Get over it sort of thing. There's no slavery now. You get that sort of like re- re- response as well as the, um, you know, all lives matter or white lives matter. Well, they've always mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Black lives haven't always mattered. Mm-hmm. And that's why slavery was such an intrinsic part of
3: the UK's, uh, you know, history. Mm-hmm. By the yeah. way. Sorry, just very quickly, the lo- just to interject, the laws that America uh, implemented in order to make the black man value less than a human life hmm. were English laws. Yeah. Because America was at that time under English law. Right. So you've got to remember when people start talking about, oh, you know, it was a long time ago, and America's this and America's that. Yeah, the legal structure was set up by this empire, which we have now grown up into and under. Yeah, and then come to another stage whereby Jamaicans came across, and now they've implemented this. Uh, what was it called? The um, unfriendly environment, whatever it's okay. called, in order in order to send them back for no other reason I can see than yeah. that they are black.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you talk about the, the Home
3: Office and. Yeah. yeah. What was it okay. called, the environment? The. Can you remember that one, Eve? Um, hostile?
2: Was it hostile? hostile? Was
3: it yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That whole policy yeah. is, uh, I, I can't see it as anything other than racist. Why would you be hostile? These people came over here. Some of them had uh, Jamaican passports, which at the time were British. Yeah. And now they're being told they're not British, and they've got to find every bill that they've had since 1950. <laughs> how is and this
1: not enough <laughs> <laughs> and, and they yeah.
3: apologize and they do this and they do that and people are still being sent back or being threatened
1: i think going back to your original point about facebook and social media platforms no they are certainly not the right uh, platform to have this level of discussion and debate and i think you touched on it earlier when you talked about you know you want to see the wife someone's eyes me this is about you know voice inflection it's about tone mm. it's all those things that get lost when you are typing <laughs> frantically not me personally, when people are typing frantically yeah. and don't really think about how it's going to be received you know yeah. typing in block capitals exclamation marks in red all of that it just adds to this whole yeah. it was a sensitive subject And now you've exacerbated that by really kind of doing an off-the-cuff comment without considering thoughts, feelings, and how people might receive that.
0: And 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 how do you feel about? I mean, again, over the last sort of few months, there have been um, there's been quite a bit of programming being done and and a lot of videos of, um, if you want, black celebrities, you know, talking about you know, Black Lives Matter and their experiences, you know, uh, um, Michael Holding uh, was one that comes to mind. Uh, I think his name is John Amici, ex-basketball player. You know, I think he'd recently been asked to uh, describe what white privilege actually means. And is it, is it a good idea for you know, celebrities to be getting involved and um,
1: explaining what this is all about? I think I'm on the on one hand... Yeah, on the one hand, it really... The positive is that it demonstrates and showcases with the right attitude, mindset, motivation, mentoring that you can achieve some and realise a lot of your plans. If you think about a lot of black people who are now sort of famous, where they've come from Mm -hmm. and how they've, just like most people, sort of struggle to perhaps... um, get themselves taken seriously. They may have been given a lucky break. I guess on the negative side, again, um, these aren't ordinary people, are they? You know, they're in this sort of public mm. eye. And I suppose, you know, I, I was listening on the news the other day and thinking about a black MP in 2020 still being racially profiled and getting pulled mm. over by the police. Yeah. It just, it, it's... It's remarkable that we have no longer, oh, sorry, we haven't moved any further forward. You know, the police are saying that it was a input error. Well, that's easy to say, isn't it? <laughs> or is it more likely that it was a black woman and a black man in a posh car in the wrong part of town and you had some overzealous police? I don't know, you tell me.
3: Did yeah. you see the clip about two days ago? For that, of the young black guy that had been on Channel 4 News the day before and got his window broken and dragged out of his car. It's just... But um, just sticking to the subject of what you were saying with with regards to famous people and not famous people, I, I like the fact that Earl said they're not ordinary people. I think you need both because ordinary people need to be heard, but there is a disparity between the ability of the public I'm going to use the word public uh, with regards to empathy, yeah. Mm. And they can empathise a lot more with John Barnes than they can with Peter Jones. That's so I think match, you do need a certain amount of celebrity. Very, very harsh, Max, but I'll yeah, I know that you think you are a celebrity.
2: <laughs> and you look so similar to John Barnes as well. You know what I mean? So
0: yeah, yeah brothers in arms. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I think you're right, you're Max. And, and, and again, this is something else that for me comes back to education. But in this respect, it comes back to um, how we educate the community. Excuse the dog in the background. I've been asleep. How we educate the, the community. Who's best to educate the community or educate business, educate boards. You know, is it going to be celebrities? Is it going to be ordinary people? Do we have to arm ourselves with knowledge and take a message out to the community, take it to business, take it to boardrooms, you know, to educate them? Who's going to do, who's going to do that work?
2: I think in regards to corporates, it's got to be people of influence and how much influence do ordinary people have as individuals. I don't think we have, but as a collective, we do. And if there are already people in the position of influence, Say celebrities or already in the corporate world, and I mean at the board level, which I think is I don't know 0.3 percent or something like that of black CSO CEOs or that C-suite level yeah. in, in the UK. Um, it it has to be a mixture of a lot of things really to to get to that point. Is what we mentioned about HR recruitment as well how are they engaging with the community to have that talent in their business because I'm really tired of hearing say oh well no one applies well okay but what is your process are you saying for particular roles that they must have a degree from a certain university in a certain subject well when you're doing that you're excluding a lot of people there yeah. And do they really need that degree in that subject
1: mm-hmm.
2: to order to have the skill sets and to perform well in that job and earn your, your business money? Because that's what they want you to do. They give us a little bit of change at the month end of the month, but we got, we're got there to earn the money, not unless you're working for yourself. Yeah. So I think it's got to be a mixture of ordinary people, corporate people of influence, and as a collective, and as Earl said, you know, I think it's the legacy for the next generation, because these conversations, our parents were having these conversations. no, mm. you know, their parents are having their these conversations as well. So it's systemic racism that has been going on for centuries. We're not going to overcome that in a few years. Hopefully it be quicker than centuries, yeah. They won't. <laughs> You know, here's hoping, but I, I think um, it's going to take a, you know, a village. You know, like they said, it takes a village to bring a child. I think it's going to be a village of of people, like lying to people, irrespective of their colour, people of influence that can make those changes.
0: Do, do, do you think the Black Lives Matter movement has um, motivated, inspired um, and inform the next generation enough at this point. Are they engaged?
2: I think they are engaged. I think they have. I, mean, I think the next generation um, is. I think each generation is like a, a, a generation of a, a model of a car, and each time a model of a car is released, there is something different about it. It could be faster. It could be the, the how it, the economy of it and so forth. And I think the same with this generation as well they're more outspoken than we were and our parents think that we were outspoken and i think it's motivated them and they're very much a generation that they don't take no for an answer they want to know why whereas we may have argued a little bit and then succumb to it and, oh, i can't be bothered to talk about this or discuss it anymore. We've all been in those situations. But this generation, from 18 to 25, maybe 30 even, they're going, no, why? Why, why does it have to be like that? Mm. Surely in the 21st century there's a better way. And, sure. they, they, don't take no, and they don't take no for answer from the, the infrastructure. And what I mean by that is from politics. However, where they do fall down is a lot of them don't vote. So, it's okay that you've, you're motivated and doing these protests. If you don't vote, your voice won't be able to change the infrastructure, in my opinion, and the system quicker because it is about the laws of the land. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is through voting.
0: Interesting. Any other thoughts on,
3: on, on that, the younger generation, Maxwell? I think that. That, that perspective was quite reliant on trusting the pathways of um, historical power, i.e. corporations and governments and, and democracy. There is an issue with the young people not believing in very much of that, not getting very much out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard someone say recently that when people stop voting, that's when you know that um, revolution is around the corner I don't know if we're quite there yet but it's but it is a a sign that our democracy and our government and our our pathways towards the fulfillment of the dreams of the generations are up and coming they're not doing what they need to do to keep people on track to keep people engaged and enfranchised in our society it's not working um, why is it not working max any any
0: others or anyone why, why is it not working I,
1: I, I think it's exactly as we're talking about tonight and mostly sessions I don't know whether they have experienced this sort of perhaps the level of um, discrimination maybe they've not had the uh, longevity of this continuous sort of battle of really sort of speaking out um, I, I think that perhaps if they'd gone the last 20 or 30 years, having gone through what we've gone through, maybe they probably might feel more informed. Maybe that would make them more inclined to, uh, I guess, speak out in the right way. Mm -hmm. And also, which leads to, well, actually, we live in a democracy. The best way to affect change is to, one of those areas is to vote. Why am I voting? Why should I vote? What's the impact? how's that going to sort of influence my voice? I, I think it's very much around experience and sort of history.
3: Okay. Uh, I mean, we, have to, we have to make it worth for a while though. And at the moment, they're not seeing benefits from any of that. They're not seeing democracy provide wealth to anybody except the people that already have wealth.
0: I would say, Max, um, that liberty and equality uh, should be worth anyone's anyone's while. um so my, my my final question for this evening and i'd like a quick response from all of you before we wrap up um what can we be doing then to encourage young black people to vote to get to the polling station to exercise their right and influence the future i think that
2: it's touching on what max said it They don't see it as worth a while. When you think about young people, the the government and the past government, not just this government, was for the last 10, 15, 20 years or so. The government has really encouraged ordinary people to be educated. Go out there, go to college, go to university, get a degree, get a degree, you'll get a better paid job, get a better paid job, that means you'll be able to buy your own house and blah blah blah. That is not happening for a lot of the young people. They could be in their early 30s, they got the degree and they got a good standard degree and they're not working in that chosen field that they want to work in. They're working in a a low paid job, therefore they can't save in order to purchase a house because it's 25%, 25, 30% and it may even be more, post-COVID-19 to provide a deposit so they can start to be on that ladder and it wouldn't be on the ladder of wealth either you'd just be on the ladder of being ordinary people and having something that you can leave to your children yeah. they they have they can't see that so They're
3: not even getting all, consistent work even work uh, yesterday.
2: And also on top of that, they are in tens of thousands of pounds of debt. I have colleagues who are in their 20s who are not working in their chosen field of degree. I actually got to work in my degree for a short while in the chosen field. But I didn't leave university with tens of thousands of pounds of debt. Some of them got forty to 60,000 pounds worth of debt. They're never going to be able to pay that off. So, for, for starters, that would have to be addressed. A few years ago, when Liberal Democrats were saying that they were going to um, scrap the student loan, no, that's how the coalition government came about. Because, it, and he didn't transpire to that. So, okay, until a,
0: a, a, yeah,
2: so, until so something like that happens, I I I don't know how we're going to encourage them. That, that's that is a separate
0: conversation, one that I, I would like to have at some point um, about student
1: loans and how that all works. Oh, did you did you want to say? Anything I was going to gonna make a final point. Over, yeah. you know what? I don't disagree with anything that uh, Eva said. You're right. It's a challenging situation for most uh, young people who want to educate themselves and who want to do well for their plan for their future what i would say and in response to that is there are so many sort of government schemes that are looking to address that balance we know that university uh, the university route is not for everyone hence a reason why apprenticeships are available and they've been available for many years and what that helps is those individuals who probably academically might have not been able to enter into university so that is trying to balance out that particular sort of landscape that said Mm -hmm. i know there's still a disparity on the amount of young black people that take up apprentices versus obviously their white counterparts but i think you're you're right it's it's too big a topic to obviously sort of finish up on but we i am sure we will touch back on that in another series
3: indeed we will i just I just want to interject as well, just to add, because I would actually very much agree with Earl on that one. Apprenticeships are a great route towards uh, enfranchising our young people. What we need to do, though, is make it easier. We need, to, we need to get the corporations to spend more money. You can't get away with giving people £3, £4 an hour for a year, two years, years well while they're on apprenticeship. I'm not talking about a full-time wage but they need to be treated with a lot more respect. They need to be given better opportunities. The corporation, we're talking about the whole economy of the the Western world, theoretically. They need to spend a bit of money on this issue. Forget about universities, they're doing all well and fine and dandy. But we need to get those apprenticeships up and running. They are a really good uh, route towards getting people into qualifications with experience and work opportunities.
0: I'm, I'm sure that the universities might argue the uh, the toss with their max about they're all doing well and dandy, but uh, I think your your point is uh, is well received. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Eve and Earl. Uh, it's been a good discussion. This has been ordinary people. Thank you for listening.